This is Shades of Green Energy, Austin's live green talk radio show with your hosts, John Hoffner, Deborah Dubay, and Reed Sternberg. We're live on 91.7 FM KOOP Hornsby, Austin, Thursdays from 1 to 2 p.m. and streaming live online at KOOP.org. Get program information and download past shows at shadesofgreenenergy.org. The views expressed here are not necessarily the views of KOOP Radio, its board of directors, volunteers, staff, or underwriters. All right, we're back. It is another Thursday. You're listening to Shades of Green Energy. John Hoffner here, your host, and we have all three of us back today. Reed Sternberg, back from his movie set, and Deborah Dubay. Welcome, folks. Hey there. (laughs) Co-op Radio, your community radio station. And Deborah, we have two Carries that we're going to be talking to today, and you'll introduce our first Carrie who's on the phone with us. Exactly. So as John is queuing up uh, Carrie, who's on the phone, let me tell you about Carrie Brownstein is from uh, Whole Foods Market. Uh, She's Seafood Quality Standards Coordinator at Whole Foods Market. Prior to joining Whole Foods Market, Carrie worked as an independent consultant for the Marine Stewardship Council, Environmental Defense, the Seafood Choices Alliance, the Ocean Conservancy, and for five years as the Research and Outreach Coordinator of the Blue Ocean Institute's Seafood Sustainability Program. So welcome, Carrie, and do I have your name? Did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, you did. Thank you. Well, wonderful. I'm so glad you uh, could be with us by phone. You're actually calling in from New York? I am, yes. New York City. Well, outstanding, and thank you for taking time today to be with us. Um, Thanks for having me. Oh, good. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, I want to find out how it is that you first became interested in the seafood industry. I mean, you've got this long career of um, prior to Whole Foods of, of doing um, wonderful stewardship for the ocean. So it's, it's deep in your heart, and I'm curious to find out how that, how that relationship got started. Sure. Well, by my nature, I'm an ocean person, and, you know, I was one of those kids who wouldn't get out of the water until my lips turned blue, (laughs) and I knew as a kid that I wanted um, a career that involved the ocean, whether it was as a marine biologist or as a nature photographer, and in college, I majored in environmental studies and became deeply interested in just how we can protect our environment. Um, but not just that, but also how we can work together with people who use and depend on natural resources. And I remember the day that, that I decided I'd focus my commitment on conservation through work on marine fisheries. I had read a book that inspired me. It was called Song for the Blue Ocean, and it looked at salmon fisheries and the plight of uh, species like bluefin tuna. And when I finished the book, I said, that's what I want to do, and that's the guy I want to work with. And the author of that book was Carl Safina. And several years later, after I went to grad school and studied fisheries management, I began a job with Dr. Safina working on ocean conservation through what was really, to me, a a refreshing angle. It was uh, by looking at the seafood market as an avenue to marine conservation because Mm -hmm. it's really seafood where a lot of people have their interaction with, with the ocean through what they eat. And the funny thing is is that um, it actually brings me back to my roots because my great-grandfather started a seafood company back in 1909, mm-hmm. and um, my whole family for, for five generations was in the seafood industry on that side. So it was, um, 
you know, it was a lot of fun to, to get into um, the seafood industry and work on, on these issues through, through, you know, a really exciting community of people. Great connections. Great connections. So t- it was buried in your heart before you ever were. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I just love that. You know, I also want to ask, you know, when I say that you are the Seafood Quality Standards Coordinator, we're talking nationwide or is that internationally or, you know, and can you tell me about exactly what it is that you do as a quality standards uh, sure. coordinator? I'm on the quality standards team at Whole Foods Market, and the standards that we develop are for all the products sold at Whole Foods Market stores um, throughout the U.S., uh, Canada, and U.K. Mm. So it's a global support team. And the work that I do is actually quite varied. Um, The main thing I do is that I research and develop standards for fisheries and aquaculture and develop the systems to implement those standards. Um, But then I also do a lot of other things. For example... I develop training for our team members, the folks that work at our stores and interact with our customers. And I work with our marketing teams to create materials that explain our standards from the pub- to the public. And, um, and then I also work on other kinds of tools to communicate our, our standards. Um, the standards are very technical, but we really love for the public and our customers to understand what they're all about. So, for example, I write a blog for the Whole Foods Market, Whole Story blog, and in that, I cover topics that uh, range from national fisheries policy to particular issues that people are interested in, like um, feed ingredients used in farmed fish production. Um, I find that it's a great, great way to interact with the public and respond directly to people's comments and questions. And then, um, although the standards that we have at Whole Foods Market for seafood and other things are... Um, are um, just, you know, for Whole Foods Market products, what we're really doing is working on this larger goal of transitioning the seafood industry towards greater sustainability. So for me, I attend uh, a range of conferences and meetings, and I participate in research groups because we want to share our standards with others in the world. And then we also want to continue to learn about new and emerging issues and how we can continue to improve our standards as new research comes out. Well, I saw your blog today, and I wanted to know, what is the name of your blog? So if people are interested who are listening, they can find it. Yeah, sure. You can go to blog.wholefoodsmarket.com, and then there is um, a section on the blog that's for categories, and you can go to seafood, and you can search for my name, and then all all the entries will come up. But if they were Googling, would they Google Carrie? Whole story, you could do Whole Story Blog. Whole Story. W-H-O-L-E. That's O-L-E. I gotcha. Okay. Or you could Google my name, but you have to put seafood next to it because there's a person who's much more famous than I am with my same exact name. <laughs> well, you were pretty famous in our book. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Well, Carrie, I, I was curious. The, the, the standards that you uh, work towards, are they mostly associated with sustainability, or do you also get into issues of toxicity and, and things that, that would make it unsafe to eat seafood? Yes. So our standards are largely sustainability standards, but we also have a suite of other components to the standards that relate to human health. Um, for example, uh, there are a number of things that we prohibit in our, in our standards. 
Uh, we do not allow um, toxic chemicals such as malachite green and organophosphate pesticides in our, our standards for farmed fish, for example. Mm. Also in those standards, we don't allow antibiotics and a- added growth hormones um, and preservatives that some people have allergic reactions to. Uh, we don't allow poultry and mammalian um, products and feed for farm fish. So there's a number of things that relate to um, to human health, uh, especially on the aquaculture or the farm fish standards. And the wild um, fish program is largely related to sustainability, although we do provide lots of information on contaminants and, th- and things like that in our, in our seafood departments. Oh, I see. So how, how do you... Uh regulate that? How do you make sure that those kinds of toxicities aren't in the fish? Is it Well, I'm glad you asked because I feel like this is a, a component that is so important to understand and, and not everybody knows. Um, for aquaculture standards, for example, for, for farmed fish, we have this extensive set of, set of standards. They're, they're really the strictest standards in the, in the industry. They, they can, anyone can download them from our website. They're about 30 pages long. And they specify all of our requirements related to not only environmental protection, but also other issues uh, such as uh, feed ingredients, um, traceability, all these things. Um, And we are not just saying that the uh, fish farms have to do these certain things in order to sell their uh, farm seafood products to us, but we also have a third-party audit program to verify that the standards are being met. So any farm that wants to sell farm seafood to Whole Foods Market, for example, has to not only submit a detailed application, but they also have to undergo a rigorous third-party audit, um, which can be several days long, and it's really quite extensive, and that's the process for for verifying the standards. Well, that's 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 outstanding. That's that's outstanding. That, you know, I want to ask you, um, I know that you are now partnering, the Whole Foods Seafood Department uh, is now partnering with the Marine Stewardship Council, uh, the um, Monterey Bay Aquarium, and Blue, Blue Ocean. Is it Blue Ocean? Mm-hmm. Okay. And with all of those, those groups, are you participating in any World Oceans Day events? Sure. Um, I'd love to talk about those partnerships, too. Um, But to answer your question on the Oceans Day, actually this year um, what we focused on uh, was Earth Day. So um, not specifically on World Oceans Day um, in terms of any events, but we did a huge amount of work on on Earth Day this year. And uh, this Earth Day, we made a major step forward by discontinuing the sale of all swordfish and tunas that come from fisheries that are rated red by the Blue Ocean Institute or the Monterey Bay Aquarium. Now, next Earth Day, we extend that um, that phase-out of any red-rated um, seafood products to the rest of our seafood. Um, but I wanted to explain a little bit about that because this is a major undertaking that, um, that we're really excited about and really proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, so what this means is that moving forward from, from this Earth Day on, all swordfish and, um, and tunas can only be sourced from fisheries that are rated green or yellow by Monterey Bay Aquarium and uh, Blue Ocean Institute. Um, and what that means is that we're working to find fisheries that are well-managed and that are using fishing gear that's low-impact, 
uh, meaning that it has low bycatch or doesn't catch other marine life in the process of, of fishing. And again, we'll do this, um, this, we have the same commitment for the rest of our species by next year. And, you know, really, I feel like this kind of commitment from a company like Whole Foods um, can make a huge difference for the oceans. And, you know, just wanted to give you one neat example. Um, there are fishermen in the Gulf of Mexico that currently fish for tunas and swordfish with a fishing method called longlining. And, you know, unfortunately, that fishing method still has bycatch problems, um, which means they catch other kinds of marine life while they're trying to catch tunas and swordfish. And so with, um, with a commitment to sourcing only from green or yellow-rated fisheries, what that means is it really prompts us to source to find other fisheries or to work together with fishermen to make changes. So um, there are fishermen in the Gulf that are interested in changing to low bycatch fishing methods um, using hand gear. And really when buyers are interested, fishermen have incentives um, to change. And so I, I, I find it really exciting that, um, that through, you know, a, a program like this, we can make that kind of impact. Well, that's great, Carrie. And, and uh, we're, we're getting close to the, our time limit here because we have another interview with another Carrie that I presume you know, Carrie Bre- uh, Coughlin with the Marine Stewardship Council. So well, we- great. You'll learn a lot. And I did want to tell you that we've actually partnered with the, um, with the Marine Stewardship Council for over a decade. Wow, and really? That's they great. are actually the world's leading certification body for sustainable wild-caught seafood. Mm. And the reason why we partnered with them is because they use a multi-stakeholder, international, transparent, and participatory approach with a third-party um, chain-of-custody program. And, um, and the, the color-coded rating program is to provide sustainability status information for any fishery that's not um, certified by the MSC. So we carry those ratings for any fishery not MSC certified. Well, that's great. Well, Carrie, thanks so much for spending the time with us. And and I guess if you could give us one more, actually a resource or a website that you would suggest our listeners go to to get more information about your program. Sure. My suggestion is go to wholefoodsmarket.com and then just search the seafood search for seafood sustainability and it'll take you to all the details about our program well that's great again thanks for joining us we've been uh, speaking with carrie brownstein from whole foods the um, whole foods seafood standards coordinator and once again thanks for joining us thank you very much i appreciate it So we need to get to our next uh, interview that we've uh, pre-recorded with Carrie Coughlin, and she's with the Marine Stewardship Council, and we interviewed her a couple of days ago, and we're talking here on Shades of Green Energy, John Hoffner, Reed Sternberg, and Deborah Dubay, your hosts each week, and let's get right to the interview uh, so we have enough time to get through it. This is Deborah Dubay and veteran host John Hoffner with Shades of Green Energy Radio, and we are on the line with Carrie Coughlin, director at the Marine Stewardship Council in Seattle, Washington. And recently I read an article about Whole Foods Market partnering with the Marine Stewardship Council to help shoppers know the quality of the seafood they purchase and that it's sustainably raised or caught. 
I immediately wanted to know more about this organization, what they do and why it's important or relevant to the seafood purchases that I make and to the purchases that are made around the world. So I called them. And today we have with us by phone, Carrie Coughlin. And as I said earlier, Carrie is the regional director at the Marine Stewardship Council. Carrie also serves as a member of their global senior management team participating in the organization's management and strategic development worldwide. So welcome, Carrie, and thank you for being with us this afternoon. Well, thank you, Deborah and John. It's great to be chatting with you. Good, good. Well, Carrie, you know, I'd like to start out by asking you how it is that you became interested in seafood sustainability. What is it in your um, in your mission in, in what you do and, um, and that has interested you in this particular field? Well, for me personally, uh, it's been oh, many years that I've been interested in and involved in ocean resource management. My career has taken me all over the map from politics, journalism, uh, from law school dropout, you name it. Uh, but at, at a certain point in my career, I spent um, uh, several years actually at sea working on uh, boats and ships. I had my merchant marine uh, licensed seamen's papers, ended up working in the uh, Alaska fishing industry, ended up uh, sailing uh, halfway around the world on a small uh, vessel working uh, on a five-part documentary for Spanish television. And oh. that... That entire experience brought me so close to the ocean and its resources that when uh, I returned to the Pacific Northwest, I enrolled in the University of Washington's uh, program for marine sciences. Hmm. And uh, uh, so that was a graduate school program in ocean resource management, law of the sea, uh, sort of all of those topics. And it's just been an area of fascination for me and working with the Marine Stewardship Council has been a terrific opportunity for me to bring that interest together with all the other skills required of a regional director and an operation of this size as far as management and communications and some of the other elements of that. Wow. Well, it sounds like you've had a long and winding road, but that it's always been somewhat tied to the ocean, which is pretty interesting, actually. Um, Carrie, you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, to tell us more about the Marine Stewardship Council. You know, I mean, it's an international organization. Can you tell us about its mission and the countries that uh, where you have offices and where you're working, et cetera, um, just to clarify what it is exactly that you do? Absolutely. Um, the Marine Stewardship Council, is an, it, you're right, it's an international organization that was formed um, around 1997 was the initial genesis, mm-hmm. and uh, a Unilever company, which was one of the world's largest traders in seafood at the time, watched the complete collapse of the um, northeastern United States oh, yes. cod fishery. <laughs> Isn't that and awful? It's such that a sh- was, well, it was a wake-up call for everyone ah. because nobody saw it coming. The fish just kept schooling closer and closer together. So the fishermen were able to go out and still bring in um, mm. large harvests right up till the end because the fish just kept schooling together. And so if the fishermen hit the right grounds, they were still filling their nets. But what happened is they did that for the last time. Oh, my gosh. And in the next season, there just were no cod. And the entire community 
collapse, not only did we lose the natural resource, but a community of how are people going to support themselves mm-hmm. uh, when the entire area's industry you know, relied on this. So this is, that was a real wake-up call. And Unilever took a, a pretty bold step for industry at that time in um, fostering the foundation of the Marine Stewardship Council. And they uh, teamed up with World Wildlife Fund, uh, WWF, and um, the Marine Stewardship Council was born, and it was uh, spun off as an independent organization very soon after, uh, and has been one since. But those early years were spent, the first couple of years were spent with hundreds of scientists from around the world, scientists, academics, industry experts, conservation organizations coming together to take on a difficult task of establishing a criteria, a standard and methodology for measuring against that standard for sustainable fishing practices. And um, they, they succeeded uh, at that task and put together a standard that has been very effective over the last 11, 12 years in uh, assessing the sustainability of fisheries. They also at the time realized that it's not enough um, given how many times seafood changes hands, how uh, large uh, the global network is of this, one of the world's largest traded commodities. Mm. So they put together also uh, a chain of custody standard and program, which is a traceability program uh, that, that works throughout the supply chain. Both of those components require independent third-party auditors who are accredited to audit to the MSC standard to do any assessments and auditing. So MSC is the uh, organization that maintains the standard, Uh and then these assessments are done independently, and that ensures um, that these are scientific, robust, independent audits, uh, and that fisheries that meet the standard um, actually meet the scoring guideposts under the the three main principles of of our standard. You know, that is incredibly complex, and I, I, I would imagine it would have to be complex when it's dealing with something like the ocean in which we're all we're all linked at some point so well, it's fishery scientists just told me yesterday that open heart surgery is easier than understanding a fishery ecosystem <laughs> that's interesting <laughs> wow so it is very complex and and the MSC program is really designed to be the organization that does that work for buyers and consumers around the world. So it is difficult, it is complex, and our assessments are all, teams of experts come together to do them, they have to be peer-reviewed, science is changing, fish stocks cycle from one year to another and drop dramatically. Mm. Um, And while we're not fishery managers, and clearly we're not, we we work very closely with government managers who are, um, and fishery companies, but... um, so it's it's a very complex system, and it's difficult for even professional buyers with companies like Whole Foods, um, who are absolute experts, uh, you know, in this and pay uh, close attention. But how really are they to have the capacity to track all the fisheries around the world where they have the potential to source, and really know with confidence what's happening uh, at the fishery level? And certainly for consumers to expect a consumer to sort out what can I buy, what can I not buy, and, you know, know with confidence that I'm not contributing to stock depletion or environmental degradation. 
Um, it's just almost an impossible task, and the MSC program is, is great for that. At least at the professional buyer level, the organizations, Whole Foods and others, have vetted us and said, we know how robust this is. And so there's a level of trust there. Some buyers say, now, I just need one question. Are you MSC certified? Great. I, I can stock this fish. Mm-hmm. So, well, you go ahead, John. Yeah, um, uh, Carrie, I was going to ask you. So the Marine Stewardship Council sets the standards for the certification, but do you actually do the certification? No. So these... uh, again, just to, be, just to be clear on that, yeah. um, we do not because as the standard setter, it would not be appropriate for us, and it certainly wouldn't be in keeping with the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization guidelines, which we are consistent with, for us uh, to do certification against our own standard. Right. Okay. That would not be considered third party. That would be considered you know, first or second party, depending on, on who the fishery client was. So to maintain that independent third party status, there are uh, certifiers around the world that are trained and accredited by yet another independent international organization uh, who o- provide oversight for their work, um, and and they are accredited to do that work. Okay, that was what you were so mentioning we're, earlier. Yeah. That's right. We're a voluntary program. We maintain the standard, mm-hmm. but um, if a fishery wants to get certified, they voluntarily come forward. We, we explain the program, help them, talk with them, and then um, we can put them in touch with certifiers, and at that point it's up to the fishery to contract with the certifier. And they, they will pay time and expenses to the certifier. Uh, MSC receives uh, nothing in that transaction from any certifications in fishery or chain of custody traceability audits. Okay, so it keeps it all third party. That's interesting because it's very similar to the way uh, the UL listing, uh, Underwriters Laboratory listing, mm-hmm. you, they test something to a standard that's written by, for example, the American National Standards Institute or IEEE, so it keeps it separated. That's, that's great. So, so how, how does somebody establish, what, what are the criteria that these inspectors look at to make a fishery certified or make it you know, a sustainable uh, fishery? Well, I'm sure we couldn't hold uh, any of the listeners' attention if I went into the full detail of that. Yeah, but right. Not I everything. Can, I can easily Just roll in general. that off to yeah, something understandable. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, which is um, it centers around three basic principles. There's principle one, which is the health of the stock. Is that stock uh, at a level where it's maintaining and regenerating, uh, actually growing even? So the health of the stock must be maintained for future generations. Principle two is around the impact of fishing on the marine ecosystem. So is there any harm, damage being done to the marine ecosystem? And that includes impact uh, in the ocean. It, could, it includes bycatch as a big component of that. Uh, bycatch being something, um, either other fish, uh, perhaps seabirds, something that are being caught up in the process of fishing for the target species. The third principle is around the management of that fishery. Is there responsible, ongoing management in place that can continue to ensure that a fishery uh, is being uh, fished at a sustainable level and maintaining that? And under each of those three separate principles is what we call an assessment tree. And and together there are 31 different uh, scoring indicators. And the certifiers... Uh, use detailed data, they use on-site observation, they use a number of different scientific methods 
to apply a score on each one of those indicators under the principles. And those, uh, each score can vary, but together they must aggregate to a certain passing score for each principle in order for that fishery to become uh, certified. And it's, it's uh, also important to note that a very big component of the MSC program is that it's open, it's transparent, and there are requirements for certifiers to involve all interested parties and stakeholders. Mm. So that's where a lot of the conservation organizations with knowledge and interest in the fishery, perhaps other fishery scientists and managers, uh, academics who have knowledge, are brought into the process so that the certification process has the advantage of a very robust body of knowledge about that fishery. Hmm. Well, that's that's complex and complicated. I, I guess I would ask also is once they're certified, then there's obviously annual or there's recertification. They don't just get certified and then the certifiers go away. There is an annual t- checkup, or how does it? How do you ongoing keep it sustainable? That's exactly right, John. Um, there are annual audits that are conducted. Uh, again, by the independent third-party certifier. Mm-hmm. And uh, certificates are good for five years. Uh, and in cases, uh, some cases, there are certain uh, improvement action plans that are part of the certification and to bring a score up in certain areas. And the certifiers will track that over time, and they must show uh, that the fishery is uh, making progress as stipulated on those improvement action plans. The, what's exciting to me about the MSC and working with the MSC is the MSC's theory of change. And this is where the MSC really does um, allow all of its partners, um, the retailers we work with, um, the food service companies, um, specialty distributors, you know, all of our partners that we work with can, can play a role in actually making change on the water because doing these scientific fishery-by-fishery certifications that bring market benefit to the fisheries means that fisheries have incentive to change. So a good example, um, and Whole Foods is a great um, partner in this way, a really good example was Chilean sea bass. Uh, Probably a lot of people remember when Chilean sea bass was taken off store shelves and off restaurant menus because it was uh, such a poorly managed and fished uh, species. And one fishery came forward uh, in all of that and said, well, we want to become MSC certified. So they uh, had a a pre-assessment, we call it, where the certifier takes kind of a a look at them and they said, well, you know, you're not going to make the MSC standard. You know, this species rightly is in trouble. And and this one fishery uh, in South Georgia uh, Island in the Antarctic region said, well, we want to change. They did. They started making changes. They put 100% observer coverage on the boat to ensure there was no illegal fishing. They changed the way they collected data to ensure that. They made a gear change that reduced their bycatch of seabirds from tens of thousands annually to zero. So all of that was done because they were pursuing MSC certification. And so Whole Foods brought back Chilean sea bass from this one fishery into stores, and they did a really good job of educating their uh, customers to say, here's, it's back in our shelves, and here's why, and just this one fishery, you should still exercise caution uh, about the source. Hmm. And that now has inspired other toothfish fisheries to come through the program, make some environmental improvements and changes, and 
And that's just one example of the way the MSC theory of change works around the world. When I initially started talking with you, you suggested that a good time to do this would be World Oceans Day. And that's coming up this coming week um, on actually June 8th. So it's actually shortly in the next week or two, the first week in July, uh, June, actually. Uh, So I wanted to uh, ask you what you are doing for World Oceans Day. Well, the MSC is engaged in a number of activities for World Ocean Day. Uh, One of the things that we're doing is we're one of the sponsors for the Smithsonian Institute's uh, big focus on sustainable seafood as part of World Ocean Day. And they're uh, sponsoring some uh, panel discussions Mm-hmm. followed by a gala at the uh, Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. to help draw attention to these issues and help raise consumer awareness. We're participating with uh, NOAA, which is the National Oceanographic Atmospheric Administration. They run the National Marine Fishery Service, which are our government uh, managers. And we um, are participating, and they do something called a fish fry which sounds kind of down home, but but it uh, attracts a lot of people uh, from around the country and some from around the world. There's something called the Global Food Alliance that's taking place up in Alaska, uh, talking about sustainable uh, supply chains there out of Alaska, and obviously seafood is just a tremendous uh, food asset coming out of Alaska. We'll be up there for Global Food Alliance sponsoring that. Um, And there are... Uh, other activities uh, in Washington, D.C. that we'll be participating in. And we're working also with some of our retail partners and commercial partners uh, around the region who are uh, doing Ocean Day promotions uh, in store, and we're supporting those. So, so, Carrie, real quickly, though, what is Ocean Day? Uh, well, World Ocean Day was designated... Um, Essentially, it's, it's sort of the counterpart to Earth Day, if you will, which encompasses the whole planet. Mm. Um, but World Ocean Day is a similar concept of, of setting aside a day um, to concentrate on issues uh, around the ocean and around the health of you know, the marine environment and uh, what all of us can do from large corporations and companies all the way down to small you know, individual businesses to, to consumers what what can we all do? So it's just, it's a day to have activities, you know, uh, hopefully some coverage in media that it enables lots of people to participate in um, sort of learning and discussions. Yeah. And, and it's uh, successful at that. And one of the things, I went to their website, and I, I will say that one of the things that they ask people to do, and everybody who is interested in the conservation of the world's oceans, the water... Uh, the bodies of water that link us all, is to wear blue. So you, each person who's listening, you, on June 8th, you can wear blue and tell two. Wear blue and tell two people why you're wearing blue. And oh, uh, I liked that idea. Wear blue and tell two, and let's keep it safe and clean and beautiful so that we can enjoy summer after summer after summer and wonderful, clean, fresh, healthy fish. 
Well, that's... Oh, I think that's I think that's terrific. I hope uh, I hope that reaches a lot of people because I think that's a great message. Yeah, that's a good one. And I didn't realize it was similar to Earth Day, but it makes sense. We have to have Ocean Day as well. Um, so I, I was going to ask you a question, uh, Carrie. And by the way, you're listening to Shades of Green Energy here at KOOP Hornsby, Austin, and we are speaking with Carrie Coughlin, the regional director of the Marine Stewardship Council. Uh, Carrie. Uh, do you, I know you focus a lot on sustainability and healthy fishing and healthy oceans. Is is part of the MSC certification associated with uh, uh, making sure there's not toxicity levels? And, and cl- when you said healthy fish, is that part of the study to make sure that we don't have mercury and, and other I guess, pollutants that end up in the fish? Um, in our vernacular, when we talk about the health of the fish, we're talking about the health of the fish stock, so stock. essentially how robust uh, uh-huh. that, that fish stock is and, and is it replenishing uh, at an appropriate rate. Uh, it's not within the scope of the MSC assessment and certification to test for uh, the presence of toxins in fish such as mercury. Um, the uh, Again, I mentioned NOAA earlier, um, and they do uh, extensive testing in that area. For example, after the Gulf oil spill, uh, after the uh, earthquake in Japan, uh, NOAA uh, did extensive testing on seafood you know, in both areas to ensure um, some consumer safety around that. That is not in the scope of, of the MSC. What, what is uh, a kind of a side benefit, although we, we don't do that and, and certainly wouldn't make any claims around it, uh, but our traceability program uh, really does help um, with that process, I mentioned a product code, and consumers um, or others, um, you know, professionals can follow that product code and trace fish back to a fishery of origin. Uh, so that's certainly a benefit um, to that process. And sometimes, if there's concern about a particular area of the world, even a consumer can get on the website, trace that back, and realize, oh, okay, um, you know, that um, swordfish or that salmon came from this area, you know, and so I'm, I'm I know where it came from. Uh, and that gives uh, some confidence. Okay, so so you if you trace where a certain pollutant has been identified, let's call it red tide or mercury in a certain location in an ocean, uh, that would be the way to find out if if that fish that is MSC maybe maybe it's certified, but it could also uh, be uh, uh, exposed to a toxin. I guess is that is yeah, that the case? Be, there would be that possibility, mm-hmm. um, and I certainly would encourage consumers to try to get factual information. Um, it's it's very hard. I think sometimes there are scares, you know, of oh, there are, you know radiation levels. You shouldn't buy this, or and and when scientific testing is done, I mean, it's just proven not to be true. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think consumers. Um, should absolutely have valid concerns and, and exercise caution uh, about what they're consuming, uh, including toxins in fish, and um, should you know discuss it with their fishmonger if they have further concerns. You know, maybe do some more research on their own. Yeah. So well, go, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Deborah. Oh, I was just going to say I I just think this has been tremendously informative, uh, very eye opening. Yeah. Well, Carrie, that's great, and, and I appreciate your spending the time with us. Uh, you mentioned there at the end that it's important for consumers to find out information, and so so maybe give us a little bit of a of a step 
process that somebody should do? They walk into a, a store, how would they best be guided to make sure that they're getting healthy fish and helping oceans be healthy and you know, what should they look for? And then some, some resources in addition to your website to maybe get more information. Well, uh, first step is I would suggest that they look for uh, the MSC Eco label on products. Um, second step would be to ask their uh, retailers and, and fishmongers for uh, use of the MSC logo so that they can have that assurance or ask their fishmonger um, you know, or the retailer if they're looking at non-fresh fish products, you know, fish that's uh, frozen or you know, patties or something else, um, to... Um, to look into um, getting MSC chain of custody and sourcing from MSC certified um, seafood. So the, the the next step would be, you know, a lot of fisheries that maybe are progressing toward that. Um, you know, they can get guidance on if it's not MSC certified, uh, which um, region, you know, which type of fish or which species are sort of better at least, you know, and, and you can know that because. While MSC, you know, is absolutely spreading rapidly around the world, uh, certainly all the fisheries of the world are not certified to the MSC standard yet, and that does not mean that they aren't uh, sustainably harvested. So um, I think that probably the best way is, is, to do, is to do that, is to talk to the retailer. Um, but websites such as, I mentioned the MSC website, um, the WWF website has some information, uh, so there are a number of others. We work with other partners. Sustainable Fishery Partnership uh, also has a website. Um, so I think just a, a, a quick search for seafood sustainability uh, might uh, might turn up for the average consumer probably a pretty good list of resources. Yeah, that's great. And, and your website again is? www.msc.org. All right. Uh, that's a wealth of information as I was looking at it and lists the fisheries that you're looking at and, and uh, a good resource. And and it, it struck me that uh, I, when we were just, you were just giving that uh, advice for people that it's fairly easy to look at it on a label of a canned fish or something. But if I walked into a, let's say it's a marketplace uh, w- will those people have, you know, it's, and they have fresh fish out on their their market, will will they have a certification that's visible, or you, like you say, you have to ask them about it? Um, what most of the uh, sellers of fish that are fresh fish, what we call on the ice, um, use stakes, they're called, just little signs that are stuck into the ice uh, with uh-huh. the fish okay. that have the MSC logo. I see. And so that's the way to identify it with the fresh fish. And I can tell you that I now um, I now cross-examine the people who are selling fish, and Whole Foods has got the story right there. They can tell they can tell you all about the fish that you're purchasing. I was very pleased, and I've now become a little more proactive on that because I know it's available. I know they've got signs, and I'm I'm reading. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, actually terrific. read yeah. about Whole my food. food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Whole, important. Whole Foods has been a great partner um, in all of this, and and um, they're eager to do even even more um, to help educate their staff and the consumers. And we're going to be working with them even more extensively on that. 
But but all, uh, there's lots of other retailers that are doing it as well, right? It's it's becoming more pervasive. It sounds like. Oh, um, it it's just tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could name, um, you know, dozens and dozens of of retailers around the world. You know, large names that you would recognize that have made commitments mm-hmm. to sourcing uh, MSC certified seafood. So is there a list of those those organizations on your website? Do you, you know, so in other um, words, places people can go? There is, and, and um, I think I if uh, people want to go to the website and take a look at the where to buy section. Mm-hmm, okay. That, that's, a, that's a great resource for someone who said, you know, I live in this area, I want this certain, I love, you know, fresh tuna, where can I get it? Oh, interesting. So I, I guess a, a fairly similar labeling. I mean, there's lots of different labelings for products, but is if fair trade, and, and I always look for that in, in the coffee that I purchase, is there any part of the MSC certification that that does look at that kind of uh, aspect of the fishery as far as do they pay fair wages and uh, keep keep their employees well taken care of? Mm-hmm. Our, again, our focus primarily is around the three principles I mentioned earlier, around the health of the stock, the damage to the marine ecosystem, and the ongoing management of that fishery. Right. Um, so at, at this point, um, those social issues are not covered under our standard and methodology. Yeah, well, I guess for that matter, they, the fishery could go get the fair trade label, I presume. That would be something interesting to find out. It's maybe different than some of the other products, but... Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, um, again, this has been a great uh, discussion, and we appreciate you spending the time with us, Carrie. Um, and, and any parting words for our listeners to inspire them or get them to look for this label? I would just say this is one thing where consumers actually can really know that they're making a difference that will have an impact right back down to the fishery. Um, by making a choice for environmentally responsible uh, seafood. And then I would say, enjoy it. <laughs> That's don't, true. You don't have to avoid fish it is if, if you ensure that it's it's from a renewable you know, fishery. And so I would say, take a little bit of time to, to learn about that and then uh, enjoy and eat fish. You have been listening to Shades of Green Energy recorded live at KOOP 91.7 in Austin, Texas.